guys, go ahead and get out your Bibles, digital or analog. Go ahead and get out your bulletin notes that we pass out on the way in. Or if you prefer digital, you have the Go Coastal app. You can also find the notes there as well. Hey, your relationships are a map of your life. They're a mirror of who you are. So do you like what you see? Do you like where you're going? Look for your relationships to thrive. You need Jesus, you need to be like Jesus, and you need to follow Jesus. In this series called Connected, we've been looking upward, upward at our relationship with God. This pivotal relationship that determines the outcome of every other relationship. Last week, we looked inward toward our relationship with our families, looking at these very close relationships that are happening in our homes. And just like Pastor Brian said last week, how you treat those who are closest to you isn't just being affected by what you think and how you feel, but how you actually respond to them is having an eternal impact. You're literally leaving a legacy. So you need to think about how you're treating those who are in the closest relationship to you. And we're looking at our relationships because the direction of your relationships can determine the very direction of your life. It's connected. And today we're going to be looking outward toward our relationships with others. Church, let me just ask you this, okay? Have any of you ever had any difficulty, any problems, or any challenges within a relationship? Whether that's a friendship, a dating relationship, marriage relationship, parent-child relationship, co-worker, neighbor relationship. Have you ever had any difficulties, problems, or challenge within any type of relationship? Raise your hand up. Raise your hand up. Have you ever had any problems? Okay, I think most people have unless you've been living under a rock. At some point, like, you have some type of challenge or problems within the relationships that you have. I think all of us do at some point. Come on, even if you're a child in the room, you probably have had some type of tension with your parents, even that at some point. But all of us have had some type of difficulties, challenges, or problems in a relationship. Hey, do this for me, church, okay? Do this for me. I want you to turn to your neighbor, turn to the person sitting next to you. I want you to look them in the eye, and I want you to say this to them, okay? I want you to tell them, look, it's not you, it's me. Look, have you ever, have you ever heard that phrase before? Or maybe better yet, or worse yet, have you ever had that phrase even said to you before? I can remember my very first dating relationship when I was a junior in high school. And I, and I used the term dating very loosely because I don't think that relationship even lasted a month. After about three weeks, the girl that I was dating at the time, she was a Jesus follower and I was not. And she came to me and she said, look, this relationship needs to end because you're not a Jesus follower and I want to grow in my relationship with Christ. She said, it's not you, it's me. I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus, but right now you're pulling me away from church. You're pulling me away from my relationship with the Lord. So this relationship needs to end, and it's not you, Andrew, it's me. But honestly, as she was saying that, it sounded a lot like the problem was me. Church, I say this with all the love in the world for you. I want every single one of us whether you're sitting in this room, whether you're watching online, 
If you call this your church, I want every single one of us to develop as authentic followers of Jesus Christ. I want that for all of us. And sometimes we think that the problems that have happened in our relationships, sometimes we do think it's everyone else. But can I just say that sometimes the problems or challenges that we have faced may not be everyone else. It might actually just be me. We might actually be the problem when it comes to relationships. But see, the good news is, the good news is, is that when you are in relationship with Jesus, because the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in you, no matter how your relationships have gone so far, no matter what you have believed or even been taught about relationships, because Jesus lives in you, what was old can be made brand new. And see, whether we've lived that or acted in a certain way for a very long time, we can be made brand new about relationships. So how you view your relationships, how you treat and respond to others, how they respond to you and how you treat and respond to the way that they respond to you, it can be different because of Christ. In fact, it can be good, even healthy, even holy. Again, for your relationships to thrive, you need Jesus You need to be like Jesus, and you need to follow Jesus. And Jesus shows us how to do just that. In fact, our relationship with others, our love for them, our care for them, when it comes to our relationship with others, it is the type of thing where when we look to Jesus, like he shows us how we need to treat them and to care for them and to love them. But see, we also need to look and see that when it comes to our relationships, We need to look and see what exactly that means for us as well. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And as you're turning there, look, this book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul is writing to a church. And right now, like that church, it is thriving. Man, it is growing. And God is doing something incredible inside this church. Does anybody else hear that cricket that's around here? Who is it? Is that something over here? Is that an iPad or something like that? Oh, I see. It's somebody's phone up here. Let me see who it is. Calling, texting people. Oh, look, it is Hunter Boone's phone. <laughs> Come on, man. Put your phone on silent. Where is he at? I'm gonna, can I just throw this? Okay, all right, there we go. I'll give it to him later. All right, where was I? All right, so Philippians chapter 2. Man, the Apostle Paul. He's writing to this church, and and let me just say, like, this is one of the the letters that are written to the church where this church is actually doing really well. Man, it is growing, it is thriving, and he's writing to encourage them about the joy that they should have in the Lord as they look at what God is doing in them and through them. Man, he's encouraging them that, man, their love for each other, their prayers for each other are good, that their giving is good, and their generosity is good, and their sharing of the gospel is good. But any time, just like any organization or even any church that is growing, as you're growing, sometimes you face some growing problems. And he's writing to this church to let them know, look, there's, there's some relationships that are happening in the church. There's these two people that have been fighting in the church. And the tension in this relationship is actually beginning to spread throughout the rest of the church. And Paul writes them to say, look, this growing tension that is affecting other relationships in the church, look, you, we cannot continue on this way if you're going to continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord and this real Jesus-centered love that he wants the church to have. 
So as he's writing to them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, man, he says, look, don't let this tension continue. If you really want your relationships to thrive, you need to look to Christ. Here in Philippians chapter 2, we're gonna, we don't do this every single week, but today we're going to do something called some responsive reading. You're going to see some words up on the screen here, and the words in regular font are the words that I'm going to read, and the words that are in bold font, we're all going to read together as the congregation, okay? So remember, don't try to be reading my parts. Only read your parts that are in bold that you see on the screen. So I want everyone to go ahead and stand, and we're going to read, let's read this powerful passage in Philippians chapter 2 together. Paul says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing, Paul says. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Look, the title of today's message is Outward, Looking at Our Relationship with Others. Now, before you head to your seat, there's a subtitle that I want you to be thinking about today. And the subtitle of today's message is Get Out. So before you head to your seat, I want you to high-five three people around you. I want you to tell them, get out. Now, of course, don't get out of the church, all right? Don't even click away if you're watching online. But write this down, okay? Number one, church, we need to get out of our minds. You need to get out of your mind. Listen to again what Paul says here in verse one. He says, if there is any encouragement in Christ... If there's any encouragement in Christ, you know, just a, a couple of really quick notes about this letter called Philippians. Uh, first, it was written to the church in Philippi by the Apostle Paul. Now, sometimes we think when one of these apostles, these people who are writing these letters under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we think that maybe when they were writing this, maybe Paul was sitting in some sort of university-type setting or seminary-type setting. Maybe it was in there pontificating about all the incredible and the deep things of God. Or maybe sometimes you think that Paul is writing this from his vacation home. 
He's maybe sitting on the beach drinking a strawberry daiquiri and thinking about how, man, I wish other people could experience this, but I'm going to write to that church to tell them how they live, almost writing to them from an uppity position, hoping that they're going to get to his status one day. But how many know that that's not what Paul was doing? In fact, this letter called Philippians is what's known as one of the prison epistles because Paul was writing this from a Roman jail. He was sent to jail because he was preaching the gospel. He was sent to jail because of simply knowing Christ and trying to tell as many people that he is the only way, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And Paul makes this rhetorical statement to this church saying, look, are you in Christ? And is there any encouragement from being in Christ? And he's writing it to them because right now, again, for this church, everything is going really good. Yes, this tension is building in this relationship that's starting to spread throughout the rest of the church, but everything is going good for them right now. And it's like he's saying to the church, look, right now when things are good, do you have any encouragement in Christ? But from his perspective, from his side, things are not going so good right now. He's in prison. But even as he's writing them, he's thinking, look, even right now, can I find any encouragement that is in Christ? Come on, church, when it comes to you, For those of you who are in Christ, do you have any encouragement in Christ? Come on, whether right now in your life things are going great, everything is good, and yes, it's going to rain today, but right now you see everything in life is sunshine and butterflies. Or is there something in your life right now where you literally feel like you're in a prison season of your life and you just can't seem to break out? Look, if you are in Christ, Is there any encouragement in him? And Paul says, look, that phrase right there, that little phrase, in Christ, look, it is a reminder. Man, it is a challenge for us that if you have believed the gospel, and again, the gospel is simply this, is that this Jesus who is God came into this earth to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins. This wasn't just another teacher or rabbi or first century philosopher. This Jesus who is God came here to provide a way for us. Man, our sin that was going to separate us from God for eternity, our sin that was causing a brokenness that we see in us and around us, Jesus made a way. He died on the cross and he bodily rose from the dead, conquering sin and death and hell and the grave, providing a way for those to have eternal life. And man, Scripture says if you repent of that sin, If you believe the good news about Jesus, you get to receive this eternity that the Lord wants to give you. That one day you are going to spend eternity with him forever. And there should be some encouragement in that. But see, the gospel isn't just encouragement for one day. It's encouragement for today. And even today, if you are in Christ, man, there is hope for your today because of what Jesus has done. Come on, church, you have any encouragement in Christ? Paul says, look, if you have any encouragement, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, he says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And then in verse 5, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he is in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, 
but instead he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Look, church, we need to get out of our minds, or get out of our mindsets, and we need to get into the mindset of Christ toward others. We need to have the same mindset when it comes to our relationships toward others that Jesus has. Look, here Paul actually alludes to the Trinity. He's alluding to that Trinitarian, that triune God relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Here he mentions Christ, he mentions the Spirit, and he mentions God the Father. Look, God has always existed in perfect relational unity. And even when Jesus was here on earth, look, he shows us how to have good relationships. And sometimes having a good relationship, it involves humility and submission, even as Jesus himself submitted to the Father. Look, for our relationships to thrive, we have to get out of our mindsets and get into the mindset of Christ toward others. Have you ever thought about the fact that no one knew the hearts of people or the thoughts of people just like Jesus did? In fact, when he was here on earth, and of course, even now, he knew everything that was in the heart of the people that were following him, that were around him, that were in relationship with him. Come on, even Judas, who was on his team, he knew what was in Judas's heart. But how did Jesus treat others? Knowing what was in their hearts, what was in their minds, he could have come to earth literally lording it over people. He could have come to earth, he could have literally beat down people around him. He could have demanded that people served him and worshiped him. And, and as God, church, he would have had every single right to. But what did he do? He humbled himself. He took on the form of a servant. Knowing how people would treat him, he took on the form of a servant, humbling himself toward others. Look, we need to do the same. Look, Jesus could have treated people in all these different ways, but instead he took on this form of a servant, showing us how we are to have the same mindset toward others. But not only that, look, we need to get into the mindset that we need to also pursue unity with others. Look, church, get out of your mind. Get out of the mindset and get into the mindset to pursue unity just like Christ did. Again, Paul here is mentioning all the members of the Trinity, and he's pointing to this unity in relationship that God has had since his ever. He's never had a beginning. He'll never have an end, but he's always been in this perfect relationship, this perfect unifying relationship as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each person fully God, and there is only one God. And as Paul mentions the members of the Trinity, he starts talking to this church about being of one mind and of being of one accord. But remember here, look, Paul is talking about unity. He's not talking about uniformity. Right now, the world is trying to erase every single distinction between male and female. It's trying to erase every single distinction that God has even put into individuals. But I'm telling you, there's a reason why on purpose God made you a male. There's a reason why on purpose God made you a female. Look, there's a reason why on purpose you are even in the type of skin that you're in. There's a reason why on purpose God gave some of you way more melanin than me and why God gave some of you way less melanin than me. There's a reason why on purpose you were born into the community that you were born into 
the house that you were born into, the family that you were adopted into, like all of these differences and uniqueness things that God has put in us, and he's even allowed to be in our lives, the Father delights, and he loves those differences. And he delights and loves it where even despite all of those different backgrounds and ethnicities and male and female, despite all those differences, the Father loves and delights when his children get along in unity that is found in Christ. Look, Paul says these Jesus followers are in Christ, and this should encourage them to actually move and work toward unity and love, not division and hatred. Paul is saying this disagreement that's happening between these two people in the church that's starting to spread throughout the rest of the church is not a political problem. It is a spiritual problem that is in their relationships. He says it's not going to be solved with more fighting or backhanded clapbacks on Facebook. It said it's going to be solved when their hearts are right with Christ and they actually pursue reconciliation with each other. Man, Paul wanted this church to know that from the foundation, this tension in this relationship, it is founded in selfishness. But the cause of selfishness is pride. And there could be no joy in the life of the Jesus follower who puts themselves above others. This is why Jesus even prayed that we would pursue this type of unity. Man, look what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. He said, I do not ask for these only. Talking about the disciples that were right there with him at the time that he was praying this. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. Talking about every other Jesus follower that will come 2,000 years later. In fact, did you know, church, that 2,000 years ago, Jesus was praying for you? 2,000 years ago, the Lord of creation was praying for you that you would have this type of unity that he and the Father had. He says, look, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me the glory that you have given me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. Church, what if, okay, what if we were the answer to Jesus' prayer? What if this church right here on 1832 Elbow Road. Though we're actually 134 years old, uh, though we're brand new because of Coastal, what if this church right here on 1830, 1832 Elbow Road was an answer to Jesus's prayer? What if we were known for this type of unity, this type of Jesus-centered unity, where we saw that in our homes, in the church, in our neighborhoods, even when we're working, that we pursue this gospel-centered unity. Oh, how it would be a witness for the world that people will know that Jesus did actually come, that he really is the answer. What if we weren't labeled by division and hatred like so many other churches are, but instead we were the answer to Jesus's prayer? 
Man, let's get out of the mindset that the world has right now, pursuing division, and let's get into the mindset of Christ, being of one accord, even with all of our differences, and unified in Christ. But number two, write this down. When it comes to our relationships with others, we also need to get out of the mindset that it's just about me. We need to get out of our minds that really everything in this life is all about us. Paul says, he's talking to the church right now. Again, there's this growing tension that's happening in these relationships. And honestly, even right now, I think this is the cry of culture. Right now, the cry of culture is me-centered. And again, whether people say it out loud or not, right now in our culture, people are focused on my career and my money, my car, how many followers I have, how many likes I'm getting, And then what is it that I'm going to get out of this? What is it I'm going to get out of this relationship or whatever it is that I'm involved in? But look again what Paul says in verse 3. He says, do nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. See, when it comes to being in a relationship with others, we need to remember, look, it's not just about me. So I need to get into the mindset of checking my motives. Look, we need to check our motives when it comes to our relationships. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Look, Paul is challenging the church to check their hearts when it comes to relationships with others. And let me just say this, church, look, this is not in your notes, but I thought I would come up with a couple of good questions that we can be asking ourselves so we need to check the motives that we have with the relationships that we're in. Again, whether they're a dating relationship, a friend relationship, whether it's a relationship with a coworker, um, whether it's a relationship within your marriage, parent, child, whatever relationship you have, we always need to be checking our motives. So these are not in your notes, but here's three questions that we can ask to see if we're doing things from selfish ambition or even from conceit. See, we need to check our motives and simply ask the question, look, am I treating this person like a project? Am I treating them like a project? Again, sometimes if you're a Jesus follower, sometimes when it comes to relationships with others, sometimes we can look at the relationship with somebody else, and sometimes we can look toward that relationship, and you're, you're thinking, man, I, what I need to do is get the gospel to them. What I need to do is get them to church. And once I do that, I can check off a box, and I can literally leave them alone. The truth is, people are not projects. And yes, it is true, like if you really care about somebody, at some point you will share the gospel with them. Because part of caring for people and loving people is actually sharing the gospel. But when you're in relationship with people, look, are you simply treating them as a project? And maybe whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, uh, maybe it's even the type of thing where you enter into a relationship with somebody because you see that they're going to be a project that you can fix. Maybe you entered into a relationship with them because you want to try to make them just like you. Check your motives. Check your heart. Is it from selfish ambition or conceit? Am I treating this person like a project? The second question to ask is, look, am I trying to get something out of them? Look, when it comes to the relationships that you're in, are you, are you trying to advance your career? Are you simply trying to be nice to somebody Maybe you even flirt with somebody. 
because you're trying to advance your career. So you're trying to be in relationship with something because you simply want something out of them. Come on, in that relationship that you're in right now, are you trying to um, produce some type of sexual activity or physical activity because you simply want to get something out of them? And once that's done, you kick that person to the curb. What are your motives when it comes to a relationship? Are you just trying to get something out of them? Come on, kids in the room. Are you being nice to your parents this week because there's something that you really want to get? Maybe there's that party you want to go to later on this week, and you're really, 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 really hoping that they're going to say yes. So you're treating your parents nice, doing everything that they asked you to do, doing your chores, saying nice things about your parents. But as soon as that party is over, you're like, my parents are the worst. Are you treating them in a way because you simply want to get something out of them? And then third question to ask is, do I really care for them like Christ? Again, not out of selfish ambition, not trying to think, okay, what can I get out of this? But what does God want for this person? Man, how can I help them know the incredible love of God, the incredible peace of God, the blessings of God? How can I help them know that? Are you doing it from a selfish place? Are you doing it from the perspective of Christ? See, when it comes to being in relation with others, we also need to think, look, look, it's not just about me, but we also need to remember that I still do matter. Look, it's not about you. But at the same time, you still do matter. You know, sometimes Christians actually go to the extreme and saying, look, life is not about you. And yes, that is true. They'll say life is not about you. It is about God. And yes, that is true. In fact, I believe the Westminster Catechism where it says, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Look, that should be our primary aim and goal is to glorify God with everything we're doing in our lives and to enjoy him from now until eternity. That should be our chief goal. And in fact, sometimes we, we, we teach one of, the, one of the immutable or incommunicable, incommunicable attributes of God called his independence, which simply means that God is independent from everything in creation and everyone in creation. In fact, God doesn't need any one of us. God doesn't even need the world to exist for him to be who he is, for him to receive the glory that he does. In fact, you may have heard it said that God made you because he wanted a family. That's not true, okay? God didn't need a family, but how incredible it is that even though God is independent from all of us, that he did desire, he did choose to bring you into his family. How incredible it is that God still chose to be in relationship with you. In fact, look again what it says here in verse 4. He says that each of you look not only to his own interests, not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, this is pointing to the fact that, yes, sometimes, look, it's not about you, but sometimes you actually do need to look toward your own interests that are hopefully in alignment with Christ. In fact, Jesus even said the great commandment. He, it says this, Jesus answered in Mark chapter 12. He says, the most important thing is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Look, we've said this before around here, that when it comes to your mental health 
and your physical health. It is directly attached to your spiritual health. Look, Paul says, not only to our own interest, and for you to have healthy relationships, you have to think about your spiritual health, your mental health, and even your physical health. To love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then to be able, once you do that, you're able to love your neighbor as yourself. When you're loving God with everything you are, man, that involves mental health, physical health, and also spiritual health. But also when you're able to do that, you're actually able to love people even more. But to do that, you have to take a moment and again, evaluate where you are. Let me just say this, mom's in the room, if I'm allowed to say this. I know right now part of your default mindset is that it is not about me. Man, it's about the kids you have running around your house. It's maybe in the season about the grandkids that you have in your life. And maybe every once in a while it's even about your husband, okay, like serving him. But have you taken time to think about your physical health, mental health, and spiritual health? Look, moms in the room, it is okay for you to take a break. It is okay for you to take time to pray, spend time with the Lord apart from your kids. It is okay for you to get your hair done. It is okay for you to go get some time away where you are growing in these different areas so you get healthy in these areas. Look, if you're a business owner or lead a team in the room, I know right now you are working hard because you're thinking about all the others that are employed by you. And you want your business to thrive. In fact, any good business leader or owner, they want their business to do well because when they actually care for their customer and care for their employees, like their business will thrive. I know you're working so hard because people depend on you. But let me just say that even for you, it's okay to rest. It's okay for you to think about your physical health, your mental health, and even your spiritual health. Look, church, it's connected. We are to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And sometimes our relationships aren't thriving because we haven't taken the time to see that our mental, physical, and spiritual health is connected, that we need to get healthier in those areas. Sometimes our relationships aren't thriving because you don't know how much you actually matter to God. You can't see the value in others because you don't see just how much it is that God values you. Look, it's not about you, but you still matter so much to God. All right, last one. When we're thinking about a relationship with others, remember it's not just about me, but you need to remember that we need to model Christ. Look, it's not just about you, so you need to model Christ. Again, look what Paul says in verse 5. He says, have this mindset among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead he emptied himself. Look, you need Jesus. You need to be like Jesus. You need to follow Jesus for your relationships to thrive. You know, Christ was perfect at this. Even to those who were crucifying him, What did he say to them while he was up on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Man, to the woman who was caught in adultery, he said, woman, neither do I condemn you. 
to people all around him. Like he gave steps to live life to the full. Even when they mistreated him, he operated in truth and grace. He operated in truth and love. And I know Jesus was perfect at this, but we won't be. But church, we can make progress in this. When it comes to our relationships, who is it that you're actually modeling being in relationship with others after? Look, are you modeling being in relationship with others after that relative that you have that says, you know what, if they hit you, you hit them back. Don't forgive them. Hold on to that bitterness. That's the best way to live. Man, are you modeling your relationships after some type of politician where it says someone doesn't agree with you or if they don't come into alignment with you, you cancel them and you reject them? Or are you humbling yourself, taking on the form of a servant and treating others like Christ? Look, here's the bottom line. Maybe you are distracted by the cricket the entire time. Maybe you've been thinking about what you want to get for lunch after the service is over. Here's the bottom line for today. When it comes to our relationship with others, we need to think outward by getting into the mindset of Christ. Church, Christ modeled who he was. He knew who he was. And everything he did, what he did, how he treated others, all came out of who he was. So let me ask you a question. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Because sometimes you've been treating people poorly because you've been treated poorly. Sometimes your relationships are filled with fear of commitment because you have been abandoned. Sometimes our relationships aren't thriving because we don't know how much we actually matter and how valuable we are to God. So we treat others the same way. Do you know who you are? Because when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Do you know all the incredible things that God says about you? Look, the Lord says that you are sought after. He says that you are called by name. He says that you are precious in his sight. He says that when you are in Christ, you are a brand new creation. Look, he says that you are not condemned. You are no longer defined by your sin. You are now defined by your Savior. Look, he says that you are forgiven. Look, again, your sin doesn't get to define the rest of your life. Now in Christ, you are forgiven. He says you are dearly loved. If everyone else has walked away from you, then Jesus says he loves you. He says that you are accepted. He says that you are a child of God. He says that you are his friend. He says that you have now found freedom in him. He says that you are the temple of God. Man, he says that you are his treasured possession. He says that you are complete in him. You are complete in Christ. Again, no longer does brokenness get to define your life. Now completeness, being made full, being made full, being made whole is found in him. And he says that you are chosen. You are called. You are an ambassador of the most high God. Church, he says that you are a masterpiece. Again, he made you on purpose, for a purpose. No matter what anyone else has said about you, God says that you 
are handcrafted original. You're a masterpiece, so valuable to him, so worth it for Jesus to lay down his life to provide a way for you. You are a masterpiece to do the good things that he had planned for you long ago. He says that you are able to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. He says that you are more than a conqueror. Look, you are not a victim. You are victorious in Christ. No matter what somebody else has, been, has done to you, you are no longer defined by that. You are defined by what has been done for you. You are more than a conqueror in Christ. Church, do you know who you are? Because sometimes in our relationships, we are not thriving because we don't know who we are in Christ. Do you have any encouragement in Christ? Because this is who he says you are. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for how good you are to us. And again, Lord, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we didn't earn it, God, you've called us by name. God, you want us to be in relationship with you. And God, we know it's not about us, God, and we want to bring glory to you in every single thing that we do in all of our relationships. Lord, we want to model you. God, we know it's not about us. God, we know that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves, but God, help us to see ourselves in the way that you see us. Jesus, you operated in this way. You love people and serve them in this way. So I pray, God, that we would not operate from a place where we see ourselves, and instead, Lord, we see you, and we see, Lord, what you've called us to be. God, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.